Well, once again, I want to just thank you for joining us today. And, and I do want to just take a minute to say thank you again to this whole church body. Um, God continues to bless the ministry of Centerpoint, and he blesses this church through you. He's, I hope you're being blessed. You know, this week I came in, and some little, um, some fairy with a big sweeper came in, and they swept our entire parking lot, unbeknownst to me. Uh, must have been in the evening. Someone told me they saw a truck out there with a sweeper. Uh, we didn't hire anybody, but someone came and got up all of the, uh, the sand and the dirt and all the mat nasty mess off the parking lot. And uh, whoever you were, if you're watching now, uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, what a gift that was and what a blessing it was to the church uh, as we were looking at trying to assemble the work crews and work days and get the right equipment together. Uh, what an amazing blessing that was. And so it's beautiful. We've got the, the gardens outside freshened up with some landscaping. The flowers are blooming. Uh, the parking lot is ready for our service uh, today. So hopefully you are uh, enjoying that. Um, if you're outside, you guys are inside. I also want to just give you a quick update on um, a prayer request that I brought to you earlier in the week for a baby who was um, uh, life-flighted from Waterville to Bangor, a family through our church here. Uh, it was a very serious situation for the baby and the mother. Uh, I have a great report for you today. Uh, mom and baby are stable. Uh, continue to pray for that family. I really can't give out a lot of details uh, because they're just for personal reasons, but uh, thank you for your prayers. Uh, it's amazing because we believe at Centerpoint Community Church that the hand of God has moved in response to the faith-believing prayers of his people. So thank you, thank you for continuing to pray. Thank you for your generosity and giving. Uh, you can continue to give online. You can bring a check by. You can bring cash, whatever you want to do and however you want to give, but thank you for your generosity and faithfulness that allows this church to continue to be blessed and to bless others, uh, and that's what it's all about. So this morning we're going to get into some scripture and talk about a topic that um, a lot of us have different views on, and I talked about it in, our, uh, in my partner's class this week or last week about the Holy Spirit. What about the Holy Spirit? And many people say, well, I've got Jesus. Uh, why do I need the Spirit? And so as, as we continue to navigate these, the uncertain waters of uh, COVID-19 and, and tread through kind of these unfamiliar waters uh, that we're living in and these times that are unprecedented times and, and, and look to getting back to life as normal, what is normal, what does that look like? I felt it was really a great time to dig a little bit deeper into the Holy Spirit. And I know that some of you that might be watching, you hear Holy Spirit and you go, oh, red flags, ding, 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 you know, this is all the, we're going to get into the weird stuff. I want you to please stay with me on what the Holy Spirit really means, because we're going to unpack this over the next several weeks, as a matter of fact, and, and many, many people in their lives, and unfortunately, many churches have tragically neglected the practical purposes um, and that I believe are just been forgotten of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that there's no evangelical believer that's tuned in to us today that would deny the existence of the Holy Spirit. And I think that there are millions of church-going people in America today, unfortunately, that cannot confidently say that they have experienced His presence in action in their lives over the past year. And this is the tragedy of the church today. And you say, well... 
you know, why are, why are we picking a time, Pastor, to talk about this while we're all separated? Because if there's ever a time when we need, listen to me, if there's ever a time when we need the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, church, world, it's now. It's right now. So God is looking for and he's waiting for an invitation from us to permeate everything in our lives, every part of us. And as I talk about seeking more of the Holy Spirit, some might presume that, well, you know, I've already got the Holy Spirit. I'm all, I'm all good. Or I've experienced the Holy Spirit in my life, so I'm all set. And other, others might say, well, you know, I'm not into all the weird stuff, Pastor, so I don't want to go there. Or, or maybe you would say, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. And I'm satisfied where I'm at on my journey. I'm making progress. But, but listen to me. I have never met anyone with too much of the Holy Spirit. I've met people maybe who talk about him too much. Um, and maybe you've met those people too. It's like, all right, already. Uh, but none that I've met who are actually overflowing with his presence in their lives. Like, there's too much. Is it, is it possible to get enough or even too much God? Is there a point when a person can be satisfied with the amount of intimacy, knowledge, and power of God that he or she experiences? I think some in our world right now being just overwhelmed with, with everything that's going on, there's so much news, there's so much chatter on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and it seems to me that everybody's really quick to share their opinions on, on what they know about what they know, right? And what I've discovered in life is you don't know what you don't know. Um, write that down if you're listening. You don't know what you don't know. And there's a lot of people that don't know and have never experienced the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and you know what? Sometimes I just get, I'm just going to be honest with you here for a little bit. I get kind of frustrated and disenfranchised with everybody sharing their opinion that they think they have the knowledge about everything there is to know. And listen, if you're at a place in your life where you feel like you can't learn and you can't grow and you can't experience more power and more understanding of God, then you're in a dangerous place. Don't assume that you know everything, especially when it comes to the point that we're, we're unpacking here over the next coming weeks, the Holy Spirit. We are all, or at least we should all be, in a place that we acknowledge that there's more to learn or there's more to grow, and I'm not there yet. There's more to become like Jesus, to be filled with more of his presence in our, in our lives, and I hope and pray that if you're listening today that, that every encounter with God would cause you to thirst for even more. Not say, oh, you know, yeah, I, I experienced God, I had an encounter with God, and that's great, I'm good. Man, I hope that every time you encounter God, you, you're hungry for more. So, so this series that we're about to embark upon is, is an acknowledgement, if you will, that, that as believers we can never be done. We can never get to a place where we say, okay, you know, I've arrived, I'm there. He is infinite and we are finite in our understanding. I don't care how smart you are. You are limited. There will always be more of his character 
to discover. There will always be more of his love to experience. There will always be more of his power to use for his purposes. Now, I can't say exactly what will happen when when you admit that you can never fully know or experience enough of the Holy Spirit, yet you choose to, to seek him regardless. Because again, we're limited in our understanding. But this, this is what I do know. That when you learn to surrender fully to the Spirit, Jesus Christ will be magnified in you. It says that in John chapter 16. Verse 14. This whole series that we're going to be delving into, I should say, is, is based upon the book written by Francis Chan, an amazing author, incredible man of God. And it might even be uh, that you can tap into some of this on our Right Now Media web um, link. If you are a part of Centerpoint Church, we gave everyone in our church free access to Right Now Media. It's an amazing library full of videos and helps. And uh, Francis Chan's amazing author that wrote a wonderful book called The Forgotten God. And so this, much of these, this teaching is coming right from that. And I, I think that it's, it's critical for us to understand that the core issue is really about our holding back from giving ourselves completely to God rather than our getting too much of Him. When a person says this, and I've heard this statement before, well, I just like a little God, thank you very much, and that's enough. You know, let's not get overboard here, Pastor. Let, let's not get too extreme, right? I mean, people are like, all right, you know, enough of that. Let's just calm it down a little bit. You know, do we have to really be that crazy about worship? Do we have to be really that overboard about seeking after God? Listen, when people say that, what he's really saying or what she's really saying is, is I'm, I'd rather not or I'm not ready to give that part or those parts of my life completely over to God's care yet, so I'll just hold on to this. And, and, and oh yeah, I'm not ready to, to let go of that yet. Am I stepping on some toes yet? I love you. I love you. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. Um, oh no, no, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not ready for that too. I'm going to hold on to that part of my life, my finances, my toys, my stuff, my career. Whatever. But unfortunately, listen, it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry to let you know. It just, it doesn't work that way. When I read the scripture, I see the truth and necessity of a life that is holy and completely surrendered to and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, take a look at this scripture. Verse 4 and 5. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that his words were not wise and persuasive Rather, with a demonstration of the Spirit's power in order that their faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. You can underline that in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. But on God's power with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Later on in the same Letter down in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, this is what he says. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Now here's the unfortunate thing. Many churches in America today, we hear a lot of talk and the, the facade of human wisdom and all that stuff going on, but we don't see much of God's presence and his power, do you? 
Now, maybe you're a visitor, and maybe you're, you're still feeling out this church, and maybe you're trying to understand what a spirit-filled church is all about. Well, listen, what I believe every church is supposed to be about is being empowered from on high, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Without the moving of the Holy Spirit, we are nothing more than going through motions of religion, dead religion. But in many churches in America today, that's what, that what we see, and I, I, that's what we see, and I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of merely talking about God, and I want to see God move through me, through this church, through every church in America, the worldwide body of Christ. I know there's more. We know. You, you that are watching know this. I really believe this. You know that there's more. And we're in a time and a place in our world today where we need to press in deeper. God has called us all to more. So the over in, in the coming weeks, what we're going to be looking into is digging deeper to explore how God has called us to more through the presence and strength of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're feeling like me. Well, man, God is, and, and I do, I feel this way. Man, God's already done so much in my life. God has already blessed me so much, you know, and he's done so much. I'm so grateful and, and, and just blessed and overwhelmed, and that's awesome. I hope you're feeling that way. But I'm convinced, and I truly believe, that there's still more. There's more of the Spirit and more of God than any of us are experiencing, and, and I, I want to go there. And I trust you want to go there, not just intellectually, but in life, in everything that I am as a husband, as a father, as a man, as a, as a pastor for me, whatever it might be. I pray that our desire and your desire with me would be to experience more of the Holy Spirit, and that would be our starting point. And I talk about that in our, in our partners class again, that, that man, I just, what I want from you is to be open to all he has and hungry for more. Open to all that God has for you and hungry for more. And may, may we open our hearts and lives up completely to his presence and action more fully than we've ever done before. That's my, that's my prayer for you, really. By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, may you and I be different people when we finish from where we started. And may the world see that in us. You may be feeling like, well, I've got Jesus. You know, I just, I don't know why I need the Spirit. Listen, I, I'm sure like many of us, um, and I, I know I've repeated this, but before I really delve into the scripture today, you felt like there's something missing. I talk to people often, they say, you know, life is going on, and I'm doing this, and we've got that going, but man, there's just something missing. Like maybe you're just, you're just getting by, or, but your life lacks something that's crucial, something that's what I call extraordinary. You see, the, Christ, the spirit-filled Christian life is anything but ordinary. Understand that. It's extraordinary or extraordinary. Ordinary. If you're totally surrendered, completely surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's nothing normal about your life. In fact, the world would look at you and say, man, what's that guy or that gal got going on? 
But somehow, we in the American church have managed to kind of systematically neglect the power of the Holy Spirit. And the sad thing is that many people today don't even really notice that the Holy Spirit is lacking. We put on our church services, we have our lights, we have our our worship band, we have all that stuff going on, and we've really become this consumer-driven church that just wants to give you some kind of show on a Sunday morning. And here, while I want you to understand, it's not about a performance, it's not about a production, it's about you at home in your living room or in this building or in the community experiencing the power of the living God, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that is transformed formative and that is extraordinary and supernatural. That's what I want you to understand this morning. I believe that there's more, that, that many are, are missing this in the church and there's a problem, but a lot of people still have no idea what's missing. Oh, I go to church. I'm a good guy. Listen, men. Hey, I'm, I'm providing for my family. I got a good job. I'm putting food on the table. We got a nice home. We got a good car. We got a, we got a boat. We got a this. We got a... Listen, I want you men to know something. There's much more that God has called you to provide for your family than material stuff. Hear my heart. I love you. I love you guys. I love the men that are on the journey and the, and, and the men that are in this church. But you need to understand men, guys, women alike as well. There's more than just what you see in this world and, and in general, we have neglected and abandoned and forsaken, or we have devalued. We have devalued the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. In general, I think we don't value the Holy Spirit. But Jesus did. Jesus did. In John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. Have you noticed that? I know I have. <laughs> the flesh is lousy. It's of no help at all. Oh, but, but here's where we kind of get off track. We do a lot in our flesh and we take care of a lot. But from a biblical standpoint, understanding the word of God, from a biblical standpoint, you simply cannot live the Christian life without the spirit of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And again, we're going to be unpacking this. So some of you are already saying, well, how can you have God and not have the Holy Spirit? Because the Trinity, the three in one. And, and we're going to be taking some weeks to really unpack this together. So I really hope you'll tune in and stay connected. Today is just introductory. It's just kind of laying the table. And I'm excited about where God's bringing us. And I hope that you are too. But we have no idea the power available to us through the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It tells us, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Think about that for a minute, will you? Think of the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead. Paul says in, in, uh, that, it's, that the same Holy Spirit who brings life out of death lives in all of us. Think about that. Imagine that for just a minute. The same Holy Spirit who brings life out of death lives in us. How have we missed that? How do we continue to operate in our daily lives void of or neglecting the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? And I know most of you, have, you've heard these verses that I've already shared. And most of us have probably come to accept our experience of the Christian life as normal. But I want you to know... 
There's nothing normal about a completely surrendered life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's time to question what you've always thought. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's time. none of us is as biblical in our thinking as we'd like to believe. Think about it for a minute. Why, why do you believe what you believe? What process do you follow uh, in forming your beliefs? Most of us would probably say that our beliefs are based upon the Word of God, but really, our beliefs are, are, are often, they're more born out of convenience and consistency than they are out of careful study of God's Word. I know that that's certainly true of the Holy Spirit when it comes to views about the Holy Spirit. Because I, when I talk about the Holy Spirit with people, they're, they're really blown away. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I never would have come to this church if I knew it was, you know, a spirit-filled church or, they, or, or, or charismatic or they even are afraid to use the word Pentecostal. <gasps> that's, that's just weird. And listen, so many people don't, they have these preconceived ideas and these, these mixed-up notions out of what, um, of dysfunctions that they've seen in people or in churches, and they don't have a clear understanding. Most, most of it, the reality is that you owe most of what you believe about the Holy Spirit to what you've seen or what you've heard from people around you. And it's important to learn from other people. I'm not saying that it's not, but at, at times we need to challenge our way of thinking. We are all in constant need of bringing our lives back in line with the scripture. So let's take a few minutes today and let's just look into, again, today kind of an overview, but let's look into what the scripture describes the spirit-filled life to be. And I just want to, I want to pray one more time for God's anointing over the word. Heavenly Father, I just ask that right now, you've told us to, to ask your Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and our minds to understand. So right now, Lord, I pray that you would meet with people in their living rooms, in their bedrooms, in their kitchens, on their decks, wherever they're sitting, and you would enlighten our minds by your Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Lord, I pray, and transform our way of thinking and our way of feeling in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to go to some, some verses that you're real familiar with already. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. This is where the Holy Spirit was promised. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard me, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, what will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Or will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power, there's that word again, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. This is again the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to be... There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, this is the response. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, 
are not all these uh, who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? These were all the languages that were spoken. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those who dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pyrgia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed. Again, nothing ordinary about that, right? That's extraordinary. Saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others said, oh, they must be full of new wine. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Another great scripture. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We don't have time this morning to, to break all this down, but I, I, want to, I want to try to wrap up my thoughts in just the next few minutes. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, but this is going to be several weeks, and I, I hope you'll stay with us here. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. As we look into these scriptures about the Holy Spirit, what would you expect to see as the Holy Spirit enters a person's life? Something different than we see in many believers' lives today. For many in our church today, everyday life doesn't match the, the biblical descriptions. And we might say, well, why not? Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it's one of those familiar scriptures that we, we often overlook. It says, the Spirit of God dwells in you, in you. Now, one obvious truth that, the truth that when we, we often overlook is that there should be a huge difference between someone who has a Spirit of God living inside of them and someone who does not. And maybe you've seen a Christian and a non-Christian interacting, and, and in many cases, it's, it's impossible to see which is which. You know, who has the Holy Spirit and who doesn't? Maybe the Christian is, is a little nicer, and maybe he's more uh, morally conscientious, if you will. Uh, but is that really all the Holy Spirit is? Is that all he came to do in our lives? So my question for, for us to really discuss and to delve into is, shouldn't the difference between a Holy Spirit-filled believer and a non-believer be supernatural? Shouldn't it? Ask yourself the question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with this scripture today and just a few more thoughts on how do we walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Look in your Bibles with me if you would. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust of the, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
There are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uh, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealousies, outbursts of rash, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Paul is teaching us that we should distinguish a Spirit-filled person from a non Christian person. We should be able to see if the Holy Spirit is, is being neglected in our churches, in our lives, is it any wonder that we don't look any different from the rest of the world? You see, too often we, we, we walk in our own power to be the kind of people who stand out, to be the kind of people that look like Jesus. Look at me, I go to church, I listen to Christian music, I dress the part, I, I look the part. I, you know, whatever it is, you fill in, the, fill in the blanks. But that's the right goal, to, to look like Jesus. But when we try to do this without relying on the Holy Spirit, we're missing the whole point entirely. Please hear me with a heart of love from a shepherd's heart here. Many people try so hard to live right, to do right, to act right, to be a better husband, to be a better father. to be. But the problem is that we are trying to live out all of these attributes of Galatians chapter 5, but we were, we're, we're not relying on the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the only one that produces the fruit of the Spirit. It's not Craig. It's not Brian. It's not Phil. It's not John. It's not Zach. It, no, it's the Holy Spirit. See, Galatians 5, 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I think we've become so caught up in living the Christian life that we've overlooked the source. <laughs> the source of power in you is the Holy Spirit. Life change comes only through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot live the Spirit-filled life without the Spirit. If we try, we miss the whole point. So as we, as we embark on this journey together I, over the next several weeks, and, and like I said earlier, leading up to, to what I believe the well, is, biblically, the birth of the church, Pentecost Sunday, I want to challenge you to dig deeper. As you look again at the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to I encourage you to to really dig into that this week. Galatians 5, 22, read the whole thing. Add to that list of 5, 22, and 23, add to that list a host of other godly characteristics that we're called to pursue, such as faith and hope and love, compassion. These are not just abstract concepts, if you will. These fruits should be evident in our actions toward everybody around us. People should see that and say, wow. There's something different in him. There's something different in her. We don't, just, we don't just think about what the Holy Spirit can do for us. We, what, are, what are some clear and practical, tangible ways that God's Spirit can work through you to bless those around you? 
or the people that read your posts or the people that are watching what you put on Facebook or the tweets that you send out. Listen, all right, I know. Stepping on toes again. What you post, what you say gets out there. Are people looking at that and reading that and seeing the faith, the hope, the love, the compassion? Are they seeing the attributes of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, meekness? Are they seeing those attributes in you? If they're not, then I think we need to pull back and kind of do some soul searching, right? I close with this illustration of a caterpillar, and I read this again in, in Francis's book. For all its caterpillar's life, this little caterpillar crawls around a small patch of dirt and up and down a few plants. Think of a worm, right? Little fuzzy caterpillar. Then one day it takes a nap, a long nap, if you will. And then, what in the world must go through this guy's head, this little caterpillar, when he wakes up to discover he can fly. He kind of sprouted wings during his nap, and, and what happened to its dirty, plump, little worm body? It, it, what does it think when it sees this tiny, new little body with these beautiful, gorgeous new set of wings? I'm sure he kind of looks around like, whoa, what happened to me? Wouldn't that be awesome, right? As believers... Think about that experience that a caterpillar goes through. We ought to, I believe, as believers, experience the same kind of astonishment. When the Holy Spirit enters our bodies, we should be stunned in disbelief over becoming a new creation. We are not the same person we used to be. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is living in us and as the caterpillar finds its ability to fly, we should be thrilled over the Spirit-empowered ability to live differently and faithfully. This is what the Scripture is speaking about. It's, it's what we're longing for, to live different, to be different. I met with a man in my office this week, and, and he's a man who's walked the path of drug addiction and of abuse, and he's been through it, been through everything. And he sat there, and, and his life has been transformed over the past several years, and, and he said it again. He's like, Pastor, I am not the same person I used to be. The Holy Spirit has it, it changed him. So embracing the work of the Holy Spirit is an amazing and astounding truth that the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in me. And I don't know what, what the Spirit will do or where he'll lead me every time that I invite him to guide me. But as I pray those prayers, I have those conversations. But I, I'm tired of living, and I hope you're tired of living in a way that looks exactly like the people who don't have the Holy Spirit living in them. I want to consistently live with an awareness of his strength, of his power. I want to be different today than I was yesterday as the fruit of the Spirit becomes more manifest in me and in you. I want to live so that I'm totally, completely, and truly submitted to the Spirit's leading in my life on a daily basis. Not just once a week in church, but on a daily basis. Christ said it's better for us that, that the Spirit came, and I want to live like I know that's true. It's better because the Spirit came. I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly, right? Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning and we're going to close in a, in a word of prayer. God, do a work inside of us.
Heavenly Father, I thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. And it quickens our mortal bodies. Lord, I pray that we would learn how to live that spirit-filled life. That we would encounter the Holy Spirit in in us in our day-to-day living, not once a week, once a month, once a year. Lord, I lift up those today that are watching right now that have not experienced or encountered the Holy Spirit in their life and not experienced that power over the past year, maybe over the past decade. Maybe it's just been the past month. Thank you for those that are walking in the Spirit. But God, I pray for all of those who are not, that they would learn to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in their day-to-day walk with you. God, bless your people today. Bless us and keep us, go before us, guide us and direct us, I pray, and fill us with your power and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. I can't wait to see you guys next week again, Saturday night. We're going to do a a live recording. Um, If you want to join us for that, just call us at the church. Let us know you want to come in for that. But we will be in the parking lot again for um, next week as well at 10 a.m. And then hopefully this week we'll give you some plans on when our plan is to open up the building. Uh, I can tell you, I know you haven't heard much from me this week because we've been in some email correspondence with the governor's office, with their legal counsel, and with other uh, denominational and district leaders and and our local churches. Um, We should be sharing with you very soon what our plan is to open the the doors of the building. And I can't wait to see you guys all again very soon. Uh, Let's continue to to maintain uh, the safety guidelines that have been set out for us. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord's presence.